1: Find love at first drive and start shopping now
0: at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
1: Welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football (laughs) Forecast. Andy Barron's here. Uh, I am your host for a very special live podcast experience. Uh, Just a reminder... If you are watching this live, uh, we're going to be doing this all month. Every Monday at one PM Eastern, we're streaming on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, YahooSports.com, and the Yahoo Fantasy app. That's a lot of stuff. Uh, if you're watching on social, drop us a question in the chat. We'll try to hit the very best ones at the end of the show. If you are listening to this on Tuesday as a podcast, it's cool. You'll receive partial credit. Uh, but also join us on Mondays, hit us with your fantasy questions. Uh, today I am, I am thrilled, like legit thrilled to be joined, uh, by one of my my very best oldest friends in the industry, Chris Harris, you know, him from the Harris football podcast. It's an award-winning pod, uh, coming at you every weekday. He also produces the excellent and the sort of generally hilarious player profile almanac, which you can find at harrisfootball.com. Uh, or wherever fine almanacs are sold, maybe? No, probably not. You have to go to Harris Football uh, to, to find it. And surely you already fo- follow him on Twitter, right? At Harris Football, of course you do. Uh, welcome, Mr. Christopher Harris.
0: Hello. That was, a, that was Mitch-esque. That was, that was close to being... <laughs> That's the, what I was going for. It's a little
1: tribute to I Mitch. I know you
0: were. It was a tribute. Hi, hi. So you're saying I'm one of your oldest friends in the fantasy industry. That's a lie. You know I'm the oldest.
1: Surely my oldest friend, yes, in the perhaps in life, but certainly in the fantasy industry. Perhaps in
0: life, but certainly 25 years. I mean, we our friendship predates us being in this industry by 10 years.
1: Yes. Right. Yeah. Something like that. Hi. Going going dating back to the whole city days. Which no city. one is familiar my, with, and I probably shouldn't talk about.
0: <laughs> it's fine. Sounds like porn, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, I, should, I should also say that Chris and I are going to run this thing back on Wednesday, right, uh, on, on his podcast. It, it's going to be one of my, like, every, every year, one of my favorite episodes of anything that I do, one of my favorite things that I participate in is um, talking swing players for the upcoming football right. season with Chris. Uh, it's basically, it's a, it's a list of guys who can kind of make or break your fantasy draft. Um, they cost you something at the draft table, and there's a pretty wide range of outcomes for them, good and bad. I already have a partial list. I spend a lot of time thinking about it. I do I do shockingly little prep for most things that I do, but I spend a lot of time thinking <laughs> about swing players, Chris.
0: Me, oh, me too, Andy. Absolutely. It's not just one of five shows that I do this <laughs> week, and think of the list five seconds before I start recording. Definitely not one of those. It's it's really high on my list.
1: Oh, that's great to hear. That's that's excellent to hear, and I, I believe that you were being perfectly sincere right in that moment. Absolutely. Uh, before... <laughs> before we get to some of the usual player discussion here, I, I just want to give Chris a chance to discuss, uh, for those who don't know, for those who are encountering Chris perhaps for the first time uh, on this podcast, which would be shocking. Um, but if you are, I want to give Chris a chance to discuss his own <laughs> approach to player evaluation. It's it's a little weird to me that it's not actually the industry norm, but it is definitely not. Chris is a, is a dedicated film watcher, a tireless film watcher. I, I would say that he and I are, are pretty much from the same school here. But but again, nobody is more dedicated to it than, uh, or more thorough about it than Chris is. Uh, if you are looking for a conversation about like missed tackle rates and yards per attempt and and all sorts of other stats that lie a little bit, um, you're not going to get it from Chris. Uh, he's going to watch games and he's going to tell you who's good and who's bad. Uh, and he'll show his work on the YouTube channel. Is all, is all that
0: fair to say? Fair. Let's go to the next question. Just kidding. Uh, no, I mean, and you're, <laughs> Honestly, like you're one of my oldest friends and one of the reasons you're like a regular on my show is that I don't, I honestly can't have that many, I have a pretty uh, extensive vetting (laughs) process for guests, you know, like I'll have you on (laughs) once, but you know, you got, you got to be able to talk about what you saw. Like I have you on that Monday show during the season. My podcast is Mondays and Tuesdays. I do a, a rundown, like a five to 10 minute rundown of every game. I say what I saw on film. I say how I think that affects my perception of the player's ability, the perception of maybe how the, how, what the coach is going to perceive the guy's ability to be, opportunity, playing time going forward. And you're a regular guest on those Monday shows, not to like start, you know, come on your show and like start like, you know, kissing each other. But I'll I'll, I'll just say, you know, there's not that many people can come on the Monday show because they're not willing to just sit there and watch a game all the way through and, yeah. and, and not worry about, you know, just focus in on liter- literally what did I see happen And how can I communicate how I think that impacts what I think of players going forward? And if I could have you on every week, I would. I don't pay you uh, to do it, so I can't. So I have you on like every month. And um, I think we do believe kind of the same thing, which is all the other stuff, all the depth chart reading and all the stat humping and all the um, who else is there on the roster? It's got to be this guy. All that stuff is shorthand because I didn't have time to actually investigate whether I thought the players were good and uh <laughs> and I'm just crazy enough to watch every single game and and so I do you know I watch every single game every single week, and I think I have a better sense of who is actually good
1: yeah, for sure it's obviously it's it it is I would say the correct approach um teams are lying to us all the time, right there's very little like this this time of year in particular is just the worst for uh beat reporters unintentionally lying to us teams lying to us like it's just it's just constant and the only like one of the only things that doesn't really lie is is game film um other things that people should know about chris he lives on a yacht he never podcasts from u.s territorial waters for tax purposes i believe he (laughs) likes some really (laughs) gross animals um what else uh cousin josh is a a maniac um we'll probably talk about that a little bit more uh later in the week um (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, later in the week, because I thought maybe you'd want to weigh in right now on on coffee and gum at the movies.
1: Just an just an absolute maniac, probably a sociopath. I think the only question remaining about cousin Josh is where are the bodies buried and um, are there any accomplices? Like, wow, cousin Josh, but but I don't want to get sidetracked by that. Uh, we we do have some intended. Topics on this uh, on this particular podcast, and uh, we, but I think before we get to that, we had some marquee players who are actually in the news uh, for really different reasons today. Uh, number one, we have Saquon Barkley coming off the pup list. Um, it's not totally shocking. Right. Uh, he should be practicing with the Giants this week. Of course, that does not mean that he's going to be getting twenty touches in opening week, right? But it is unquestionably a good sign. Uh, we also had a really cryptic tweet from Michael Thomas in a, a weird sort of font. Uh, maybe we could talk about that a little bit. I doubt that it is value affecting in any way. Uh, the tweet was, again, in a in a font that like your grandparents use, uh, they tried to damage your reputation. You saved theirs by not telling your side of the story. I am, I'm just telling you right now, I'm going to tweet that every time I go on the Harris football podcast moving forward. <laughs>
0: Every time you you tell me that Gardner Minshew is good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm out of the Gardner Minshew business,
1: I, I should say. Uh, where, where are you at on these guys? Where are you at on Saquon in particular? I mean, I, I feel like Michael Thomas is a pretty easy player to fade, and we may not see him for a while. We're surely not going to see him for a while. But Saquon is a little bit more interesting of a right. discussion because – uh, the you know the timeline on this on this injury is going to be really close to to opening week. We may not see him at full workloads, uh, in September. Perhaps it's possible. That's just conjecture. He hasn't said anything. The team hasn't really said anything. We we've got some great uh, off season workout videos, but that's all we have.
0: Um. So I, I went in I think there's two, two ways you could go into ranking Saquon Barkley and thinking about him. You can you can go with what you consider to be kind of a best case. Which would not be his typical healthy best case, but you know, the sort of best case, he's ready to go week one, he's he's their starting running back, maybe he's augmented somewhat by other players, and or with the extra risk of him being, you know, knee swelling or the kind of the Dalvin Cook post ACL year when he just kept pulling his hamstring or pulling his quad, because that's just what happens when you have such a major injury. But that but still kind of the best case. You could start at that ceiling, or you could start it with him in the third round and say, I can build him up as I get good news little by little by little. And my ranks, I started with the best case. And for me that was in a standard scoring, no no point for reception, RB six in a and, and six overall player, actually, and then in a PPR four and four overall player. That's as high as I could ever get him if if we get nothing but rosy skies between now and forever. Whereas normally I think you know I would I would typically just, I think he's the best player in football if he's healthy and he'd be the one above McCaffrey and above everybody else. That's not on the table for him coming off a torn ACL. This, this having him high, having him as high as I do is, you know, feels like one sliver of it is now justified because he's coming off the pup list and he's able to practice, but I need to know next week, did he have knee swelling? I need to know the week after, is he going to start in week one? Like, there's still hurdles to clear before I'm, I'm really, really super willing to go. Yes, for sure. I'm doing my draft last week of August. He is my pick in the middle of the first round but it, it's at least trending in that direction
1: yeah it's all it's all unquestionably good news and you and I are in basically the same place on Saquon I thought he was the one guy last year they but they both by the way turned out to be wrong answers but I thought he was the one guy last year who if you wanted to have a conversation about the top overall pick and there was a there was any question in your mind about Christian McCaffrey Saquon Barkley would have been the pivot and uh, like again both of them were ended up being wrong um, but both of them are when when healthy and when everything's going right, they're like 2,000 scrimmage yards players. They're guys who are going to catch 80 to 90 passes. Um, they are the most talented backs in the league, the most talented sort of multi-purpose backs in the league. So, uh, he's a, he's a tricky player to rank, and it's difficult to express your enthusiasm for him in a rank because we do have to account for the fact that like September could be, you know, a, a month in which he's playing half the snaps. If that maybe that would be fine. But he's but he's a guy who could win your league for you in in December in the in the absolute biggest point on the fa- fantasy calendar. So I like him. I, I like him a lot. Um, I've had him kind of as a fringy first round guy, and he's going to stick in my first round. So there's nothing really value affecting there, I guess, for me. But it's all good news. Um, it's all really really good news today. Uh, I I, sh- I yeah. To, to, today I I should say that our our mission here really is to is to discuss a few ADP risers. That was my that was my intention. I don't okay. want to get hung up on ADP specifically, though, and I know you don't either, right? Chris particularly hates this stuff, this <laughs> this time of year. Um, and we don't have to dive it's, too far early. down. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. we're, I, I mean, we're... You know, we're not trying to set expectations exactly for where and when precisely players are going to be available. the The overwhelming majority of fantasy leagues haven't even set a draft date yet, right? So we don't we don't even have a ton of really important data on this. And it's just we're we're sort of still in the season of figuring out how we how we value players generally. So big leaps in ADP are maybe not the most important thing, but it, it you know just a little early to pin down the absolute values for these guys. Nonetheless drafts are beginning to happen. We have a little bit of draft data and we have certain players that are climbing up draft boards. So we're going to talk about some of those guys today. Uh, Again, this is exclusively a group of players that are rising. We're not talking about any fallers here. Um, I'm going to talk about first a group of running backs and then we're going to get into a group of receivers. Uh, I want to start with a a player that you were talking about on the on your own podcast just last week, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And to be honest, like, I, I mean, he's He's shooting up ranks a little bit and he's shooting up in, in terms of ADP and he's become sort of a late second round guy. There's not news here, um, which is which is a little bit odd, right? Like I usually know why a guy is rising. I don't totally get it here, but I think it might just be because other players are falling, right? I think it might be because Cam Akers got hurt and we're a little bit worried about guys like DeAndre Swift, Miles Sanders. There's been some negative notes there, but C.E.H., absolutely an interesting player uh i think if you i think if you toss aside super interesting because of where we were at on him going in and when i say we i, I mean the fantasy industry as a whole um if you just toss aside like the preseason fantasy expectations for him last year where we all just had this sort mm-hmm. of collective you know delirium and all of a sudden Who's he we? was like Who number this five K- overall K- number c- again it's not it's not we? you <laughs> not saying it's you not saying it's you <laughs> I'm saying the industry as a whole sort of sort of went uh, in, in a, as big herd, right? Uh, to this point where we were taking Edwards Eller, like some go number one overall last year, and obviously that was obviously that was wrong. People people imagined a season for him that was going to look like you know the the very best of of Damian Williams it spread over sixteen weeks. It just didn't happen. That was never a reasonable expectation. But like all that aside. He wasn't, he wasn't bad. I mean, he wasn't, you know, rookie Adrian Peterson or anything like that, but he wasn't bad. Um, So where are you at on CH right now?
0: Well, he wasn't bad for fantasy, but he wasn't good as a running back. And the Chiefs knew he wasn't good as a running back. And he got hurt at the end of the year, so he wasn't there for the the playoff run. But um, no, I I think uh, if if people are now taking Edwards-Hilaire in the second round again, they're just kind of, it's the collective head trauma that we just forget we do every year where we go Oh my God! Well, who else is there on that roster? That offense? Are you kidding? It's so valuable that position. Well, geez, I'm just gonna. And I think Clyde Edwards-Helaire showed you what he was last year. And I, I'm pretty sure that wasn't a feature back. I'm pretty sure that wasn't a versatile all-field like let's let's go and you're gonna get 25 touches every week kind of guy. He didn't hold up to that workload. And if and when they ever tried to give it to him, which was pretty rare, they shuffled they shuttled guys in and out. He himself proved to be. I mean, I guess not as good a... He was supposed to come in and catch 80 balls. He sure didn't do that. Yeah. My feeling is, he's a fine 1A, 1B. He's a fine... Like, he's going to be on the field a lot and he's probably going to have some pretty decent value. And when I call him like a third-round fantasy pick, that's a compliment because don't we all wish we were good enough players in the NFL to be third-round fantasy picks? And I, I think... It's just not going to work out where he is the bell cow that people thought he were sold us that he would be when his ADP was like seventh overall last year. He, it's just not who he is. Like It's funny, when when he came into the league last year, I was in the midst of my period of shame in which I was endorsing Devin Singletary as a very good kind of lead <laughs> sort of player. And I was like, man, maybe Clyde Abrazzolaire skills-wise could match up to what I think of Devin Singletary. And as it turns out, I was right, but for a very wrong reason, <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, as, as it turns out, they're both sort of fine, complimentary, really good athlete, good players, but probably not the players you're going to hit your wagon to. I, I mean, maybe you have a, a resoundingly different take upon watching that rookie year, but that's that's what I came away In that sort of an all-world offense, he really wasn't, he's he, he's not good in short yardage. He's wasn't a, a huge emphasis in the passing game. Like, did you come away with a different impression?
1: No, uh, I think that's all fair. I do think that um, some of the reason that people soured on him last year was was a a little bit fluky and, and entirely unfair. Like he had, he had a single game early on in the season where he got stonewalled at the goal line a, a few times. And then like everybody decided that he was bad at touchdowns. Right. And we, you know, I, I feel like that's a conversation that we have about somebody every three or four years, you know, it was rookie Melvin Gordon. And now Melvin Gordon just like falls out of bed and lands in the end zone. Right. Like it's, that's, that's not a thing that I would expect to stick from one season to another. I mean, it's the, it is still the chiefs it's probably still an offense that is going to score 30 points a game. That is really valuable. He's going to be on the field a ton. As you say, he's not going to be, you know, he's not going to be that Christian McCaffrey, you know, playing 98% of the snaps kind of guy. He's not that guy. Um, we're, we're going to see Daryl Williams. We're going to see other guys in the backfield. And, but but that's fine. We're, not, we're no longer drafting him at a place where he has to get 300 touches and he'd better score a dozen touchdowns, right? Like that was, you're taking a guy in the middle of the first round you're basically saying, okay, if he just plays a full season, that is what I'm getting, um, and I that that has has probably never been in the in the cards for Edwards Alaire, but we're we're taking it in a place right now that I think is perfectly appropriate, and it's not very far off what you're saying. If you're if you're thinking of him as an early round, uh, early round three pick. You know, that's where he was going in best ball a couple months ago. He may not be going there now. He might be like more tail end of round two. But um, he's going a, a, among a group of backs like Chris Carson, David Montgomery, where there's a whole bunch of open questions. And maybe they're not even they're not the flashiest players, but um, there's certainly there's certainly reason to hope.
0: Right. Are you, so this is uh, when we're ta- talking ADP here. We're cl- are we talking half or are we talking full PPR? Uh,
1: generally, we're, generally we're talking half. Um, I wouldn't expect okay. I wouldn't expect Edwards Eller to move a whole lot in PPR versus half PPR. Yeah. Although this next guy that I want to talk about probably does swing quite quite a bit. Uh, it's J.K. Dobbins, and I know you like him. Um, almost everybody likes him, right? Like, um, and and his rise too is probably a little bit about other guys just falling, right? It's the Acres injury, and it's it's some of the worrisome news that we've had on other guys. Dobbins was super impressive, really efficient last season. Uh, not like blindingly fast or anything like that, but um, this guy makes quick decisions. Like he was great, but like on a, a bit of a w- limited workload. That that you know, it was like it was like even even in the biggest point of the season for him in the second half when he was when he was scoring a touchdown every week in like November and December, it was still just twelve to thirteen touches per game. That's not a ton of work for a back that we're taking like inside the top twenty, right? Like they we know that they've got Gus Edwards and they like him. We know that they've made noises about uh, involving J.K. Dobbins in the passing game a little bit, except that they never, you know, in two years of Lamar Jackson, they've never really passed to the running back position. I don't know why they would start now.
0: Yeah, I, I, I would say, actually, even though I think you're right that Dobbins has the skill set of, of um, catching as many passes as someone like Ed, Edwards-Hilaire or other, other running backs of that size, I, I wouldn't assume it's going to happen because of the offense. I'm not assuming that definitely won't happen, but but I, I actually give Dobbins like a bigger gap over Edward Ziller in, in a standard league than I would in a PPR. I think it, it, Edward Ziller sort of catches up to him a little bit if if you're talking full PPR. Yeah. So, I you know, I give grades, film grades in this almanac that I make and the kind of three most important grades as a running back for me are speed, elusiveness, power, and I don't give a lot of A grades on speed and elusiveness, and I gave I A gave minuses for Dobbins both for speed and elusiveness because he he just does have that thing. He, he looks to me a lot like Ray Rice running the ball. It's an easy comparison to make because hmm. uh, of the uniform, but maybe he probably doesn't run with quite as much power as Rice did, so I gave him a B minus for power. Uh, but north-south, I don't think that was really ever in question, and and the ability to jump over lanes quickly Especially for a zone play, which they're gonna, you know, always know they are gonna be a lot of run of zone keepers for Dobbins, and he can get over. You know, he, he can see a whole one lane, two lanes over and be there faster than defender can be. He's he's legitimately really, really good. I have him sort of, you know, RB thirteen in a standard, a little higher than that in a PPR. A lot, actually lower than that, a, a higher number, R B fifteen in a PPR. It's a mess. There's a lot of players we like in that range, and that's why I yeah. understand why you're mentioning him as a riser because one day something negative comes out about swift well he's in that range one day somebody something negative comes out out about gibson he's in that range edwards alair he's in there it's, it's just a mess of dudes who have a lot of talent and have interesting roles and none of them are going to going to be guaranteed to be full-time backs but something you said before i totally agree with and feel like I'm saying all the time now, which is this mentality that you need to make sure you find the 300 touchback or the or the 900 scrimmage plays back. I mean, Alvin Kamara hasn't been that his entire career, right? Yeah, you can yeah. make a living as a platoon back. And in fact, we know Dobbins isn't going to be on the field every single play, but we don't really require that. The question is, when he's on the field, will they use him a ton? And the reason there are question marks is because like one day they'll say something about one of these guys in camp, and you assume, uh-oh, oh, he's going to sit a bunch, and then another day someone else isn't going to sit a bunch. Dobbins will rise to the level of the workload that the Ravens give him, but that workload is in question.
1: Yeah, it's obviously it, it's the most run-heavy team in the league. A lot of that has to do with Lamar Jackson running the ball as many times as he does. So it's obviously it's a, it's a ripe situation. Workload the only concern. Um, where, where are you at on, not that, you know... Not to not to pin you down to some sort of fine point about values for all these guys, but where are you at on Gus Edwards relative to uh to Dobbins?
0: Um very, very, very much lower. <laughs> I, I mean I, I don't <laughs> think Edwards is Edwards will play a lot, but I don't really think Edwards will touch it all that much. It's it seems like a very clear, like, sure, would it be a sixty forty split with snaps? Absolutely it could be. Is it gonna yeah. be a sixty forty 40 split in touches? I, I absolutely just don't believe it. Gus Edwards is fine he's He's a a workman like big guy with a little bit of a lot of power and a little bit of oomph, but i by, by nFL standards not really and if you're if you're devising a, an offense around getting Gus Edwards touches at the expense of Lamar Jackson running it or j k dobbins running it, I just think you're making a mistake
1: yeah it's a fair point it's a fair point um and i i want i want to talk about another guy in the same division who is almost surely going to get more work than j k dobbins um it, it might, in fact, be that featured back who sees something like 300 touches, and that's Najee Harris. I and I, I like, I think it's important to talk to talk about him not that long after we talked about Edwards Alaire, right? Where like, we're, like, I want to be just all in on Najee Harris, and I've drafted him a handful of times. I don't want to turn him into that rookie running back where we only see the upside and we don't see the possible downside here, and we don't see any of the negatives. he's obviously he's coming off two collegiate seasons that were, that were brilliant and left very little doubt about his talent, caught the ball a ton, lived in the end zone highlight plays a plenty. He is not going to be running behind the NFL equivalent of Alabama's offensive line though. Right. Like, I I feel like a point that you've made many times in the past, like we don't, we don't know offensive lines going into a season as well as we think we do, but, but there's plenty of reasons to worry about, uh, about the line in Pittsburgh. it, It, Sure doesn't seem like it's going to be great, um, and yet again, it's not that difficult to imagine him seeing 300 touches in a healthy season. Uh, so where do you have where do you have Harris relative to Dobbins? Is he is he higher or lower? And what do you think a reasonable expectation might be?
0: I have them side by side in a standard league. I have um, in a PPR. I actually would probably put a little bit more space between them. Maybe not. I mean, I'm probably about equal both. I think I'm equal. Standard NPPR on them. They're, they're really close. I, I like the ADP that's up there right now on the screen at 22. That's a great price. <laughs> I would absolutely pay that price yeah. for Najee Harris. Cool. I think it's great. My worry is that we're going to get th- – th- these aren't real numbers yet. This is just such a small proportion of people who are drafting and that the hype will, yeah. will grow. And and he's a great prospect. Uh, he's the one we've been waiting for. The other Harris, the other I know Harris's, and the other Harris, Damian Harris, who went to <laughs> New England. <laughs> Not that I know him. Um, but yeah, Najee Harris is a fantastic prospect. He would be my number one pick in a dynasty league. Like I'm, I'm very in, psyched about his career. Even with the, like late stage Roethlisberger and questions about the offensive line, all that stuff, I still am am very excited about Najee Harris and. This is a really reasonable price, but as I say, two weeks from now, when there are 100 times as many drafts happening, and people look at the depth chart and go, you mean all he has to beat out is Benny Snell and Anthony McFarland? Right. How is he not going to touch it 300 times? Then we're just going to have a bunch of wise guys telling people, you know what, Najee Harris needs to go at the tail end of the first round. He's the, he's the 10 pick, right? and I can't pay that price for, for really for the reasons you said. I don't really need to restate them. It's, it's not an optimal situation. I don't think it's possible that offensive line comes together in some cred- incredibly unexpected way. I actually, Andy, watched tape of the beginning of the Hall of Fame game because I'm so interested in getting hints about what that Steelers offense is going to be. What's Ben Roethlisberger been in his career? I mean, he tells reporters how much he hates play action. He doesn't want to turn his back to the play. He's not interested in a ton of pre snap motion, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you know the offensive coordinator they hired. They hired Matt Canada, who comes with a rep. He was the quarterbacks coach last year, but before that, he he was the college football West Coast guy. He was the pre snap motion. He is Mister Play Action. He's gonna. He has a playbook that's a lot like Sean McVay's playbook. So there's a real tension between. Kind of, can the offensive line pull this off? Will Rothersberger be amenable to the idea that they're going to be different and multiple and have uh, tons of guys in in motion? And Najee Harris should fit that. Great if that's the case. I would love to see Najee Harris in the offense because he's both a power back and has some speed and can catch the ball. It's so many moving pieces that I feel so much better about him in the second round. But but this price that we're looking at now, let's keep it. Let's keep all of this between us right here, and we're good. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I, I don't. I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna settle on 22, right? I, I, I think there's gonna be much. Yeah. I think it's gonna be much higher. You're. You're I, like to whatever extent we can read anything into the Hall of Fame game, and we probably can't read anything at all, even a bit into the Hall of Fame game. There was a little bit of play action there, right? Um, it seems like some of the. Seems like some of the tendencies of late-stage Roethlisberger might be good for a, for a like receiving-oriented featured back, right? Like he's no longer the guy who's just going to hold the ball for eight seconds and try to let something develop downfield and he's either going to take a 12 yard sack or he's going to make some, you know, y- YOLO throw. Like we, we don't get a lot of that out of Ben anymore. Um, It is uh, it is occasional deep shots and it's a lot of short stuff. And maybe that works out well for Harris. We like, we know he's got a, a skill set as a receiver. I think he caught 70 balls over the last two years at Alabama. So like that's definitely part of his game. He can excel at it. Again, there can be a huge workload there. I think he's going to keep rising. I'm. It's probably going to get to a point where I am uncomfortable with the uh, with the draft price. One more running back that I want to get to, and this is this is a, a different tier entirely, right? He's not going in that second round range, that third round range, and that's uh, that's Chase Edmonds. He's been a good player with a limited role and few goal line opportunities, I would say, over the last three years. Caught 53 balls last year, which was new. Handled 150 touches. Played 16 games. That was all exciting. They didn't do that much at the position in the offseason, but they did add James Conner. Um, so we're mm-hmm. left with a question about whether Connor is just going to step into that Kenyon-Drake role or um, if we should seriously expect more from Chase Edmonds. Where are you at on him? For, like, two separate questions. Where are you at on him just as a talent? What yep. do you actually expect from the Cardinals?
0: So as a talent, I think he is is uh, the best running back on the team, but that's because I don't think James Connor is great they, they they're nice like if i was going to not spend a ton of money at running back which is certainly a very modern school of thought that's a fine combination that's that's a, i think you've got all the skills covered there chase edmonds jumping being quick fast good receiver i i don't particularly think he would hold up to the kinds of carries that you're going to give james connor and connor got got hidden a little bit i think by the qual the 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 last stages of that very good offensive line in Pittsburgh before it all disbanded. And and maybe we got to see a little bit more of the truth about Connor last year, which is big dude, no question, tough, heart of a lion, tough guy. But really, if you need him to make anything on his own, you want Chase Edmonds on the field. So I think the market has it right. If they're going to be valuing Edmonds above above Connor, Edmonds can do more, especially in the modern game. And especially, let's face it, it's the Arizona offense where – some you know, let alone they never run two tight ends. Sometimes they're own one tight end. They ran more yeah. four wide. I think they ran 222 snaps of four wide last year, and the next most in the league was like 70. You know, they just totally you know playing a different offense. And Edmonds is obviously the better fit for that kind of offense. And, and I got to say that uh, once again, the price that we're seeing here, if this is like half PPR ish kind of thing, this is a good price. I, I agree with this rise. It seems this it seems fine because. At the point we're taking Edmonds in a draft, we're drafting supplemental players, guys who if 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 they yeah. pop, if they if somebody gets hurt and they get full workloads, fantastic. But we don't have to rely on them to be the guy and make sure that they're on the field for 30 snaps a game, et cetera. And probably Edmonds is better suited to be it's like it's damning with fame praise. He's not exactly a third down back, but he's 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 better off doing the the in space things that NFL teams want running backs to do, which is more and more these days. So would you come down not to not that you have to put a fine
1: point on his projected workload, but does another yep. 150 touches sound right, or is there a chance for that to grow?
0: I don't think we're good at predicting workload. Like, yeah, I, you know, my feeling is why wouldn't he at least get what he, what he got last year? Sure, he he probably yeah. should. I think I think Kenyon Drake stinks. I think Chase Evans is a better <laughs> player than Kenyon Drake. I think, I think the Cardinals think that too, and I think James Conner is is just fine and and probably yeah drake has a lot better ceiling in any given game as remember that cowboy i mean Kenyon drake finishes the top 10 running back because of one game against the cowboys right and otherwise was pretty much stunk the whole year james connor probably doesn't have that kind of upside but he's also likely not gonna drop eight passes and fumble at the wrong spot you know like cats will Kenyon drake will do too so it feels like sure it's 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 a different kind of combination but Edmonds has probably at least that workload and then there's a chance, I guess it goes up a little bit, but I doubt he's a 200 plus carry guy.
1: We're going to have Kenyon Drake just catching strays here unnecessarily, but it wasn't even, it wasn't even a full game against the Cowboys, right? It was like the Cowboys just absolutely rolling over late, like fourth quarter Kenyon Drake against the Cowboys was uh, insane. And it basically saved his, uh, basically saved his season. Okay. Let's, let's pivot to wide receivers a bit. And then we're going to, then we're going to take some questions from the people this is, in in my mind, I've actually put together a much more interesting list of wide receivers because some of those running backs were taken, you know, they're, they're just going to fly off the board in round two, round three, and a lot of us will never have shots at them. But I want to talk about a group of receivers that we're all going to have plenty of opportunities to draft, and surely one, maybe all of these guys, uh, is going to pop this year. I want to start with LaVisca Chennault, uh, and he has been rising on draft boards Jacksonville, just generally. I mean, we can just talk about Jacksonville's offense generally, if you want to, and not even pin it to a specific player. Uh, they're fun. Like Viska is a is a receiver who effectively looks like a running back, plays a lot like a running back, right? He's like he's like two twenty five, two thirty. Um, occasionally gets carries. Like we we can we can talk ourselves into a, a player with his level of versatility in an urban Meyer offense being like a really fun thing. Um, But this is also like, it's not just an urban Meyer offense. We have, we have Daryl Bevel in the picture. We have Brian Schottenheimer in the picture. Like it's this, this whole thing is weird. It's a, it's a weird, fun experiment in Jacksonville. It could well be that the only safe way to invest in this team at all is to, is to take Trevor Lawrence. I don't know what to expect from any of the receivers. I kind of sort of like them all. DJ Chark is going to be sidelined for a while in camp. He's had hand surgery. How do you how do you sort out this team's receivers and what do you expect from Chenault?
0: The good news is you don't need to. <laughs> I just think it's going to be ignorable when it all comes down to it. So Chenault is 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 a really good weapon to have in the NFL, but that doesn't really translate to me to really good fantasy weapon because it feels like I need to see more of him as as a route runner as a polished player. I, from what I saw last year, he wouldn't be a guy I would say, Cool, I'm gonna make sure I work seven targets in a week, eight targets in a week that I make sure Chenault gets. It feels more like, okay, well we're gonna have him as the second option on a on a bunch of play he'll he'll trail a play. He'll be the underneath cut when Marvin Jones goes deep, he'll be the dig. We'll we'll run a jet motioned him three times where we don't hit it to him and then and then, you know, ghost motion once and then and then we'll hand it to him. All of which make NFL defense is crazy but probably doesn't add to his stat sheet on a regular weekly basis. He does kind of feel like he belongs to the Debo Samuel, Chris Godwin running backs in wide receivers body type yeah, type situation. Yeah. Th- this rank seems fine to me. This is good. This is a fine rank. This is uh, you know around 12, 13, 14. You know, it's it's it doesn't feel like when I'm down at that point there's anybody that I go, well, I got to make sure I get that guy over Laviskinald or Laviska and over that guy. It, it feels it feels like a Jacksonville's throwing mean, running back is the one place where we're gonna go. If we could get a definite winner, okay. Like I'm I'm really interested in that winner, but otherwise, I I think it's just gonna be a lot of back and forth, back and forth.
1: I, I can tell you with almost absolute certainty that this is not where he's going to go in live drafts. Right, you're getting you're getting the influence here. I mean, w- 127. I haven't I haven't seen him go anywhere near 127 yet in in live drafts that are happening either like within the industry, best ball drafts, anything like that. This is kind of a function of like Yahoo auto picking logic, and maybe he's not one of the top 30 wide receivers off the board. I mean, I like I feel just sort of anecdotally, like there's a lot of enthusiasm for him. I don't know how they're going to use him exactly this year. It was, it was last year was funny. Cause he, if you just look at the leaderboard in terms of like, uh, intended air yards per target, he's really low. Like, it's not like they sent him downfield and asked him to, you know, make all these like sort of high yield plays. Like, it's not like they're throwing to him 20 yards downfield. It was basically within, seven yards of the line of scrimmage um i I think his average air yards per target was like 6.4 6.5 something like that which which makes debo samuel like like a really good comp right like because they like debo was the same way really low air yards per target i i would like to see them do more with him but i don't i don't know that i trust that they will do it
0: Right. Yeah. Six point oh. I have average yards at the target in the fourth percentile among all qual- qualified receivers. <laughs> he was essentially like a, a drop off guy, and it it doesn't yeah. have to be that forever. I I had Brett Coleman on my show last week, and we did Film Room Heroes. Brett's, and Brett's made awesome, his list. by he, the way. If
1: people aren't familiar, yeah, yeah, people don't know Brett. They should yeah. they should definitely uh, watch his stuff.
0: So like I I it's I don't think Chenault is without hope at all. I, I feel the same way. You know, ranking him and Debo Samuel really really different is much more a, ta- a description of situation, much more like I trust Debo Samuel's role more than I trust Levis Chenault's role. And a lot of my career is based on not making those assumptions. A lot of my success <laughs> is based on trying to, you know, trying to just talk about what they are and worrying less about I'm positive that guy's going to have this role because it changes so much from year to year. We make all these assumptions. I am sitting here doing it right now. Andy, don't you know he was in the fourth percentile of downfield? Well, they <laughs> could change that this year. He grew up right? He learned how to run routes. He got yeah. Marvin Jones as a tutor, blah, 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 blah. Like it could change. So you make a convincing argument that if, if we're going to say, okay, Debo has a hard cap as, as to how great he can be for fantasy, but, but he also has a pretty nice floor because they're always going to find a way to get the ball in his hands. Well, cool. That could be Chanel this year too. I'm with you.
1: Um, uh, another guy who in my view has a, has a huge range of outcomes here and is really it's just super interesting as a prospect. Um, I don't know if he's on the right team to be super interesting as a prospect, but I don't talk about him anyway. And that's Darnell Mooney it was just a couple days ago Matt Nagy gave us a great quote um said Mooney was on fire that was a quote with his route running it's good to hear uh any any uh, positive tidbit <laughs> on Mooney is is fun. like i i know it's a throwaway comment right but i like to hear enthusiasm about Darnell Mooney because i i man i took a i took a stand on him last year and he also last year by the way like if you told me that he had a 1000 air yards uh on uh, utterly uncatchable balls last year. I would totally <laughs> believe it. Um, his the I work number that he you did. There. Do um, want to hear this number?
0: I, start, start I do want to hear the number. Um, yeah. So it's, it's an agreement in support of what you just said with Trubisky and Foles throwing the ball. The number is targets of 20-plus air yards. He had 23 of them tied for 14th most in the league. This is Darnell Mooney tied with the 14th most deep shots in the league, and he caught four of them.
1: Ugh i'm I'm just here to tell you it's not on him, right you like you know that That's right. um a lot of those <laughs> plays were were utterly hopeless either because <laughs> the line couldn't block it or the throw was so bad right um but man, Mooney had such good moments against some really good corners too. He roasted uh Jalen Ramsey a couple times like he uh, you know a good example of a player who um you know has some speed and it just translated immediately onto the field. So I'm I'm really enthusiastic about him. I am I am cautiously optimistic about the Andy Dalton slash transition to Justin Fields sort of era that we're in right now. I, I think it could be a big leap forward. Uh, where Where do you have him right now?
0: Yeah, he's on the rise for me too. Honestly, I think trading away Anthony Miller might have been kind of the most overt, actual, believable sign. Darnell Mooney needs to be an all over the field player. I. I think it's great that they used him on the outside so much and he had some success and, and they threw it to him deep a bunch and he didn't catch it because it wasn't his fault. I really wasn't like it truly, but he, he needs to play in the slot. Some, you know, if you're going to compare a player to Tyree kill, then use him the way they use Tyree kill. And, and, yeah. One thing I will say about that is it's a little dangerous to a guy a guy Mooney size, he's smaller than Tyree Kill. He's fifteen pounds probably lighter than Tyree Kill, as little as, as Tyree Kill is. So it's dangerous to have a guy that guy, that dude be in the slot all the time because you can get crushed going over the middle, no question. But just if you are if you are the number two weapon, I'll say on the whole Bears offense, but we'll just say on the on the in the Bears passing game, then I need you to, and and Allen Robbins is the first one where you kind of know what Allen Robbins is going to do, and he's going to get extra safety help and stuff. I really need Darnell Mooney to be, again, multiple, jet motion, sometimes out of the slot, sometimes running just absolute flag routes out of the slot, you know, go go downfield out of the slot. Never did it last year. The fact that Anthony Miller is out and in Houston struck me as a pretty good sign that maybe that varied usage starts coming that's the kind of thing that will give a player a floor the kind of floor that Mooney didn't have last year we we need manufactured touches in all kinds of different ways the way the Chiefs manufacture them for Hill so I'm with you that I'm excited and also we just need to make sure that we don't get people too excited because I just I think it's a mistake to be saying (laughs) eighth round Darnell Mooney you know yeah it's we're we're talking about bench players for fantasy who could pop and he qualifies.
1: Yeah, and as you described the things that the Bears would really need to do to fully unlock Darnell Mooney, it's like it's a lot, right? Like that that's a lot to ask of a guy going into his second year when he didn't do any of it last year and you you can only be right. you can only be so valuable running a a really limited route tree as not the the number 1 receiver and as a guy who uh, you know is probably not going to draw a hundred targets. Still, uh, really interesting talent. I want I want to hit one other receiver before we take uh, a couple of questions from viewers, and um, this is a guy who's really gotten kind of complicated in the last two weeks, and that's Michael Pittman. He's in a he's in a multi week rise in terms of ADP. I think in part because a, a whole bunch of really smart people like him. He gets the Matt Harmon bump, right? Like Harmon is is super into him, and he was good. Like he he. He was great last year. He was great in in open field situations. Very fun player. He's plateaued a little bit in terms of ADP over the last few days because obviously now uh, Jacob Eason is going to be his quarterback. I don't like. I don't know how enthusiastic we should have felt about Carson Wentz as his quarterback in the first place. But now it's Eason that is that is almost unquestionably a, a a bit worse of a situation. I feel like I was just coming into the league with Michael Pittman. I was wrong about him. Um, I was not as enthusiastic about him as I should have been. Uh, but uh, he he seriously impressed, particularly in the second half last year. But now knowing what we know about the quarterback situation, about the O-line, about the injuries that already exist there, how are you feeling about Pittman?
0: Uh, this is too low for Michael Pittman. He, I think he'll go wind up going higher. I, I, I'm i also guilty of like comparing him to Kelvin Benjamin as a rookie, thinking that he was slow, huh. thinking that he would have to work the middle of the field only, and came away thinking... You know he's not he's not lightning by NFL standards, but he's six four. So I just need him to be lightning by like Kenny Galladay standards. I need him to be like faster than you know Cortland Sutton type standards. I think that's the kind of player that he can be. Um, and I'm I too. I think you're maybe overstating the case a little bit to say like he lit the world on fire in the second half last year. Like I mean, he caught forty balls. So like let's not go crazy. But um, <laughs> you know it was Philip Rivers, late stage Philip Rivers. So it wasn't a, a risk taking sort of situation. Yeah, I think we I love it. I love it when people say that receiver is really talented, but um, I don't like the quarterback. I guess I'm just going to skip them entirely. Cool. Give me the receiver. Cool. It'll work out. We'll figure it out. Wentz will play week one. We'll be shocked and Wentz will be back. I don't know, maybe or else. Jacob Eason will be fine and good enough, or they'll be losing by 30 points. There's enough scenarios in the modern game where if a receiver is good, usually, I mean, Allen Robinson's made a life out of it, right? In the end, Allen yeah. Robinson just kind of always figured out a way to be good, even though those quarterbacks have uniformly been terrible his entire career. Uh, so so I'll, I'll, I'll take down all the Michael Pittman shares I can get
1: yeah I think i'm I think I'm mostly with you. I had an initial sort of uh, uh, reflex that that you know to to just drag all Colts receivers down outside of the top, I don't know 45, 50 receivers and that was that was too much of an overreaction. Uh, so I, I've kind of settled on Pittman as and we've talked about this phenomenon before as well. There's just this huge range when you when you start talking about wide receiver threes, Almost everybody from like wide receiver twenty five to wide receiver like sixty. If you if you told me that they were going to end up in virtually any order, I would I would believe it. He's kind of in that group for me now, but he's he's just a much more talented player than I thought he was going to be coming into the league, and and I'm still I'm still pretty excited about him. And I think if there's a a wild overreaction to him in terms of ADP, we're, we're going to be able to get some get some value there. Let's let's dive into a couple of questions from viewers uh, before we. Get going. This first one, salary cap keeper league. Interesting question. DK Metcalf at thirteen dollars. Uh Antonio Gibson at eleven dollars or Aaron Jones at forty six. Um, hope hopefully we can agree that I'm I'm assuming this is a league with like a two hundred and sixty dollar salary cap. And if so, forty six dollars is like is like market price on on Aaron Jones. That's not like some special value. So this probably comes down to Antonio Gibson and DK Metcalf, I would assume
0: metcalf next question (laughs) i don't think it's close yeah
1: yeah man i I was hoping we were going to disagree on this um (laughs) metcalf obviously is is even by nfl standards like a like a rare athlete, rare talent, great situation, great quarterback, love everything about it. If you're in any sort of like dynasty or keeper league, you can get you're probably going to get four or five years out of a wide receiver. And running back is such a, you know, like things things could change in a minute for Antonio Gibson. We're not going to feel the same way about him. So I agree. This is this is DK Metcalf as the keeper. Here is a fun one. Which draft slot is your preference this year? If you can pick it for redraft, and who would you target? You don't have to answer the who would you target necessarily, but what draft slot do you prefer if you're let's assume it's a it's a twelve person draft?
0: I would like like four. I I, I don't feel super strongly about McCaffrey at one, to be honest. I, I, I have Dalvin Cook at one in the standard league and a PR I have McCaffrey at one, but I think it's shuffleable because I, I kind of think the McCaffrey the, the notion of McCaffrey getting a thousand scrimmage plays from scrimmage uh, like he did two years ago. You just, if you're doing it, you're going to limit his career. And I think the Panthers will figure it out yeah. and use someone else enough that, it, like, preserves McCaffrey, but doesn't give him that sort of ridiculous 30 touches a week kind of thing. He, he's, he'd be great. He'd be great at the top. But I feel like I'm agnostic enough about, about, like, the top four guys that, cool, give me, give me, like, the fourth. I'll be fine. Give me Kamara at four. And then, and then I get to pick sooner in the second round.
1: Uh, so is Kamara the guy that you're looking at? Um, are you interested in Zeke? Are you interested in Derrick Henry, is probably a, a format dependent play for you, right?
0: Derek Henry is a I like the smirk on your face when you mention Derek Henry we have a he and I have a (laughs) a tortured relationship Uh, probably not taking Derek Henry but um, no Zeke isn't Zeke isn't in the mix for me I I, Zeke is like uh, my RB8 or something like that so yeah
1: yeah. Um, I, I can say that in terms of people, people know this about me. I do these, uh, these silly draft slot videos, uh, that, that pop up in your Yahoo draft every year. One, one thing that you want historically, and this is just in terms of winning percentages historically in, you know, we have like two decades of draft data at Yahoo. You want to be in the top half of the first round. Like I, I know there's yeah. always people that like, like, I've had drafts so far this year where I'm, where I'm, I'm 10, I'm 11. I don't hate the team historically. Um, your your odds of winning a league are lower if you're if you're picking near the turn. I know a lot of people like the turn. You definitely want to be in the first half of the first round. You want to give yourself the best possible chance to get to get that like league winning. Usually it's a running back, but those league winning players we're not we're wrong about some of them because of injuries each year, but we're not wrong about all of them, and that's where those guys land. So that's what you want. Um, probably the final question that we take. I know you've got a you've got a heart out. Um, so let's let's try this one from Dreamers FFL. Oh, okay. This is fun. And our producer is going to hate it because <laughs> it references La Liga, which is, um, I don't know, kind of a, a, a inside, inside the podcast, uh, sort of reference, but it's, it's really, a league man. that you designed. It's a league that you designed. Yeah. There's a million different clone leagues out there. People love it. It is a really fun format. And this person is asking Devonte Adams for two years or CD lamb for potentially seven years in a La Liga clone. Uh, Adams is priced at uh, uh, over a hundred dollars, and then again, there's holdouts in this in this sort of format. So, C.D. Lamb is well priced <laughs> now. Of course, he could have a huge season. That's a great problem to have, right. and then he holds out for you. Um, I, I totally get it. People should also know that because of the you know the salary structure in this league, which again is just about as complicated as the NFL itself, a uh, hundred dollars for Devontae Adams is actually a really good deal. Like that's not some bad deal. You know, if if Devonte right. Adams comes up. In uh, in an actual auction format, he's going to go for like I don't know, four hundred dollars, five hundred dollars, depending on where this cap is at. So, for me, the answer to this is still C.D. Lamb as a as a potential very long term play because because I love him. Everybody who's listened to this podcast knows that I love him. I, I think of him as a as a, a likely top twelve fantasy receiver this year. So for me, this is going to be Lamb.
0: Uh, I I think it's close. I, if this is a trade, I think it's a fair trade. And it may depend just on whether you think you're in go for it mode. Cause I think we would both agree that, like, if we had a choice of just having one of these two players this year, we'd probably like Adams yeah. before we'd like Lamb. So if you're in kind of like, I'm ripe and I'm ready to go right now for to win in 2021, I might, I might take the Adams side of the deal. But I definitely think the person who got Lamb in this would be getting fantastic value for Adams. So I'm gonna I'm gonna come, I'm gonna say it's fair. And I'm also gonna say that if people are interested, not that this is like a commercial thing, it's not for money or anything, but so this is called La Liga Lebowski. It's a, Andy's a ch- charter member. I'm the founder of it. And uh there's some industry people in it, but some not, and some like rock musicians in it and some not. And and uh and friends of ours. And if you wanna learn about it, follow at La Liga Lebowski, our buddy Colin, who's yeah. also in the league, runs the Twitter account and he'll point you in the direction of the rules if you're, in, if you're interested in the most complicated dynasty format in the history of the world. There are like, there are hundreds of clone leagues, Andy. There are hundreds of them now.
1: It is it is not an exaggeration. It is not hyperbolic in any way to say that it is the most complicated dynasty league imaginable. I like I I don't I don't know how you came up with it. It is again, it is as complicated as any rules surrounding pro sports themselves, but it is it has my full attention over the full year. I love it. Uh it's actually it's just a it's just a great format. Chris, I know you got to get out of here and I so appreciate your time today. It's always good catching up with you again. I am going to be on the Harris football podcast on Wednesday. I can't wait for it. That is going to do it for us today. Again, one last time, huge. Thanks to you for joining us. You are among the very best at all this stuff guys. You should follow him at Harris football. You should be listening to the Harris football podcast, get the almanac. It will, it will amuse and inform you. Um, What's what's coming up this week on the, on the podcast and the YouTube channel.
0: I mean other than you other than you coming up other with this you. giant swing players i have to prep for this for like three days now because you've, you've put so <laughs> much pressure on me uh you know I, i'm doing a video on the youtube channel about stafford in la i actually we're, we're producing it right now i think it'll be out wednesday about comparing golf's abilities and stafford's abilities and showing plays very similar calls that stafford just runs differently in in detroit than he will have to run it in la and kind of coming down on the idea of being kind of excited about Stafford, realizing that he's got some tendencies that get him in trouble, but that video is going to be pretty fun. I you know, I have a different guest every day, so like Jamie Eisenberg is coming up on Thursday, and um, Sig Bloom that is coming up so on Friday. Nice. Or some, or Wednesday. Eisenberg is so nice. Jamie, yeah. Yeah, he is very nice. Everybody on my show is pretty nice, except I mean, you know, obviously. <laughs> Denny, except <laughs> Denny. <laughs> except, uh, that wasn't who I was going to say, but sure, we'll, we'll go with Denny. <laughs> <laughs>
1: all right thanks again huge thanks to chris um matt Harmon is back in the captain's chair for another episode tomorrow please follow at yahoo fantasy sign yourself up for a team or many teams um perhaps subscribe to yahoo fantasy plus that is it we are out